Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalms chapter 55. We're going to look at that chapter, a couple verses in that chapter here in just a moment. What this psalm is, is uh, it's, it records David's experience after he uh, experienced a betrayal from a close friend. And so the whole psalm is just David. It's really a prayer that David is, is laying everything out before the Lord. And uh, many scholars believe that the friend that could have been, uh, that David could be talking about here in this, this chapter, uh, could have been his friend Athithophel, which was one of David's closest advisors who assisted Absalom, which was David's son, in his attempt to overthrow David's reign as king. How many of you remember or are familiar with that story? So Absalom, Absalom, David's son, decided he wanted to kick his father out of the throne, and so he raises up his own little militia to take over the throne. And Athithophel, which, by the way, is probably one of the funnest names to pronounce in the Bible. Everybody, just do it with me for a second. Athithophel. It's fun, isn't it? It's fun. If you ever want to practice your Mike Tyson impression, you could use that to work a fifth of feel. <laughs> that was a low blow, I know. But a fifth of feel, I get tickled every time. All right. He uh, was one of David's closest advisors. And um, what happened is, 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 is he, uh, unbeknownst to David, began advising Absalom on how to, uh, how to go about this coup, this takeover. And so uh, a lot of, like I said, a lot of scholars believe that, that David in this psalm is describing or, or he's, he's praying to God because of this betrayal from one of his closest friends and advisors. So in this psalm, David lays bare all his feelings before God. His mind is racing. You, you can read in this chapter, you see that his mind is racing and it's restless He's unable to stop thinking about the threats from his enemies and the betrayal from his closest friend. He's afraid. You can sense very deeply in this psalm that David is afraid. He doesn't know what's coming next. He doesn't know what the future is going to look like. He's afraid for his, himself, his own life. He's afraid for his son's life. Even though his son is betraying him, he's afraid for his son's life in this psalm. And he's unsure of what's coming next. At one point, he even tells God that he wishes he could just run away from all of it. If there was a way out, he wanted to see that way out. He says, God, if I could just sprout some wings and fly away to a safe place, then I would. Now, I doubt anyone in this room has ever experienced betrayal like this, where your son betrays you and your friend who's your closest tries to overthrow your kingdom. You may not have experienced this exact scenario but we've all been in this situation where our mind is racing and restless. Have you ever spent nights awake in bed, wide awake because you just have the same thing, that story, that scene, replaying over and over again in your head and you don't know what the next step is, you don't know what the next thing is. We've all felt afraid and unsure of what the future is gonna look like. Maybe something happens that's unexpected 
there's no plan for it. You don't know what's coming next. We've all had fear of the future and what the outcome might be. And we've all for sure wished we could just run away, right? We could just step out of the situation, not have to deal with it, and just get away from all of it and find a place of rest and peace. We've all felt that way before. But what I love about David in this psalm, and you can see in many of his psalms, is that he doesn't try to polish up his language to God. He doesn't come and start speaking King James. I don't know, maybe he spoke like that, but you know what I mean. He doesn't come and try to be, um, be polished in his language or, or any of those things. He, he just lays bare all of it. He comes before the Lord and he tells him all of his feelings, all of his things, whether the, thing, the feeling that he has is right or wrong, he just lays it all before Jesus, all before the Father. Even at one point, we'll see that here in a moment. At one point, he lays it all out, his fears, his hurts, but even his desire to see his betrayers die. <laughs> you know, that sometimes when we read things like this in the Bible, it's not that the Bible is always presenting God's will towards us. Sometimes it's a mirror on what we look like, Right? And these are what David is feeling, right or wrong. He's, he's wishing that his betrayers would all just vanish and go away. And David just lays it bare before all of them, before, before the Father. David is teaching us here what to do when we are faced with anxieties, pain, hurt, and struggle. We take it all to the Father. And we're not fake before him. We don't try to polish it up. We don't even have to come before him. We oftentimes know how we should feel, but we don't have to present that to the Father. He knows exactly what's going on on the inside of you. Just lay it bare before him. In verse 22 of Psalms 55, this is what it says. David has just laid out all of his emotions, all of his feelings, all of the things that he's thinking and this is what he says. He says, so here is what I've learned through it all. I love that statement. Here's what I've learned through it all. All the pain, all the struggle, all the anxiety. He says, here's what I've learned. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord. And measureless grace will strengthen you. He will watch over his lovers, never letting them slip or be overthrown. He will send our enemies to the pit of destruction. Here's, here's where some of David comes through. Murderers, liars, and betrayers will face an untimely death. My life's hope and trust is in you, and you'll never fail to rescue me. I want you to realize something. By this time in the story, David is an older man. He's been through a lot, right? He had, in his younger years, he... He served faithfully King Saul, fighting in his battles, and he would play music for him to soothe him. He was a counselor to Saul. All of these things he was to Saul, and Saul turns around out of nowhere and wants to kill David, and David becomes hunted by Saul like an animal. And so David spent many years being chased by Saul, being try, trying to be killed. So David's gone through this. He's 
He's, he's led the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And anybody who's ever led anything knows how difficult it is to lead and the stresses and the anxieties that come with leadership. And David, by this time, has been leading the, king, or the kingdom of Israel and Judah for many, many years at this point in time. He's faced thousands and thousands of enemies, all which wanted his head on a platter. He's walked through deep sin, including sleeping with a married woman and then having her husband, who, by the way, was faithful to David, and having that, that husband, her husband, murdered. Deep sin. And he's had to walk through all of those things. He's been betrayed by his closest friends and his very own flesh and blood. His own son betrayed him. He's had to walk through that. Not to mention, he's had many close friends throughout the years die in battle. And he's had to walk through the grief of that. Not only has he had friends die in battle, but he's had his own children die. Kim, you're not alone in that grief. David experienced, there's others in this room who have experienced the deep grief of losing children. David had to experience that grief and walk through it. Not to mention the dude had, I don't know how many wives and concubines, so he knew what anxiety felt like. <laughs> he knew what it was to be in fear, you know? David walked all through all of these things. So many things, there, there's many of us, and I don't want to downplay any of the things that we walk through or any of the situations you had, but, but there's so many, there, I would say most of us in the room haven't ever had to experience all the things that David had to experience. Can you imagine the grief and the pain and the hurt and the fear and the anxiety that David had to walk through so many times throughout his life? And then David comes in Psalms 55 and says this, what I've learned through all of this, the secret to getting through all of this is to go before the Father and to lay it all down at his feet. All my anxiety, all my fear, all my grief, all my pain, I lay it at his feet. And then he says, and then the mercies of God come in and fill my heart. And that's it. It's that simple. Oftentimes we're looking for some kind of formula, some kind of thing, and all it takes is us to come before the Father, to lay it all at his feet. And what does that look like? You know, you may be asking, how do we lay something that's not tangible before the Father who we can't see? right? How do you do that? There, I know all the practical minds in the room are going, that sounds great, but how do I actually do that? David just showed us in Psalm chapter 55, he comes before the Lord and then he lays it all out. How many of you have ever had a conversation with your spouse about a frustration at work? Anybody? Absolutely, right? You just go, you get home from work and they sit down and you just tell them every, you just lay it all out, right? This is what it looks like to lay it all out before the Father. You come before him and you just lay out 
all of your frustrations, all of your burdens, all of your hurts, all of your pains, and you don't try to polish it up, you be real. Trust me, he can handle it. He can handle it. And you lay it before the Father. And what happens is, is when you lay it all out before him, it says, it says right here in the Psalms that the mercies of God, leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord, and the measureless grace will strengthen you. His measureless grace will strengthen you. Amen? You lay it all out before him. I love the next verse. Here in the New King James, it, it says it this way. It says, he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Hey, who are you, church? Who are you? You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He never permits the righteous to be moved. And then you go on in Psalms, or Psalms 55, verse 23, and it's that verse there where it says, where, where he says uh, that he will send our enemies to the pit of destruction. Murderers, liars, and betrayers will face an untimely death. And listen, when I first read that verse, I just, I just laughed. I'm like, how does that fit in to the Bible, right? How does that fit into God's plan? All, the, all my enemies will die, right? Face an untimely death. But here's what I realized. When you begin to realize that your enemy is not flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, mights, and dominion. When you begin to realize that your enemy is not flesh and blood, this statement becomes a prayer for your enemy. When you realize our enemy is not flesh and blood, this becomes not a death wish for people who have harmed you, but a prayer for their restoration. That you're actually praying that the enemy, which is not the person who harmed you, the enemy is the spirit behind what's going on in that person. And this becomes now a prayer for that person that the enemy that is tormenting them would face an untimely death. So here in Psalms, you read how David lays out his cares before the Lord and measureless grace comes. Then he prays that the enemies would face an untimely death, which means he's praying for those people now, David, in all reality, was probably praying naturally for those people to die. But when we get into the Old New Testament, we realize that our enemy is not flesh and blood. So it becomes a prayer for those around us. Then he goes on, he says, my life's hope and trust is in you. And you will never fail to rescue me. How comforting is that statement? That in the midst of all the trials and the pain, my hope and trust is not in my ability to get me out, myself out of the situation. It's not in anyone else's ability to get me out of the situation. But my hope and trust is in the Alpha and the Omega, the great I am. And he will never fail to rescue you. Amen. In this Psalm, chapter 55, we hear the prayer from a human perspective, from David's perspective. But in Matthew chapter 11, we get to see all of this situation from Jesus's perspective. So if you have your Bibles again, just go ahead and flip to Matthew chapter 11. Very familiar verse that I'm gonna read here. Matthew 11, 
verses 28 through 30. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Again, in Psalms 55, we hear David's heart cry. Now we get to hear what the father thinks about it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have spent many long hours dealing with painful things, both in my own life and in counsel with with other people as a pastor, dealing with heavy things, with anxieties, with fears, with, with deep hurt and deep pain. And I wanna tell you, I often come to this chapter in this page right here. I've spent a lot of time in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. Because when I come, when I'm facing all of these things and I come to this chapter and I come to these verses, it's a reminder to me that I have an invitation to come to a place of rest found only in the eyes of the Son of God. This chapter, this verse is an invitation for us to come out of the place of anxiety and fear and come into that place of rest. You know, David prayed for a place to run to, to run away to. This is that place. That place is in his presence and in his arms, amen? I love how Brian Simmons translates this in the Passion Translation in verse 28. He says, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me and I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. I am your oasis. I want to ask you this morning, are you dry? Are you thirsty? Have you been betrayed by a friend? Are you stressed out at work? Have you lost a loved one? Are you sick? Are you maybe sick and, or or maybe you're just sick and tired of the stuff going on around you? Are you exhausted, burned out, confused, broken, weary? Are you experiencing any of these things? If you are, then I want to tell you something. You have an oasis. You have an oasis. You have a river in the desert land. A place that you can run to and experience refreshment. And you can experience rest and can experience peace. A place where you can quench your thirst and find relief from your heavy load. And it's the place known as the presence of God. It's Jesus. Why don't we take advantage of that? Why don't we take advantage of that? There's a song that's been on repeat in my car the past probably month or so. The singer is from a, a place called Upper, The Upper Room. Her name is, I think it's Abby Gam, Gamboa, I think is how you pronounce her last name. But there's a line in this song that I play over and over again, and this is what it says. It says, if you're weary, come to me. I'm not burdened by your need. That line right there gets me every time. If you're weary, come to me. I'm not burdened by your need. Sometimes it's hard for us to maybe take our burdens to a friend because we don't want 
to put that burden on them or we don't want to put them out. Jesus is telling us, listen, I'm not burdened. I'm not burdened. Come to me. He says, if you're weary, come to me. I'm not burdened by your need. Not afraid of your unbelief. Not afraid of your unbelief. Sometimes when we're in the heat of a battle, sometimes when we're in the heat of pain or struggle or hurt, unbelief sometimes creeps up. God, where are you? Sometimes creeps in. He's not afraid of that. He's not afraid of your unbelief. And then it ends with this, this verse. It says, I'm your oasis, water to drink. I'm your oasis, water to drink. If you're weary, come to him. Church, I want to tell you this morning, if you're tired, if you're hurt, if you're broken, if you're experiencing grief or loss, there is an oasis. There is an oasis, and it's his presence. Verse 29. They told me out there to give them plenty of time to fry some fish, so I'm going to finish up right here. Verse 29 is kind of, the, this passage takes kind of a, a unique turn. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It says, take my yoke. This language seems kind of strange when you're talking about rest and peace because the yoke is not something that normally you would think of as being something of rest because a yoke is for labor. A yoke is for working. It's for, it's for stress, right? It's for breaking up you, what a yoke was. If you, if you don't know, I'm sure everybody in this room does. But a yoke was something you would place on an ox, an oxen or an animal, a strong animal, and they would hook them up to a plow and they would plow the dry, hard ground in order to prepare it for uh, being planted for a harvest. So it's kind of interesting that Jesus is talking about rest, but then he says, take my yoke upon you. Place this, uh, this, this object of work on you. It's kind of an interesting statement Jesus makes here. But I want to want you to want to point this out with this with this idea here. David still had to deal with Saul, didn't he? He still had to deal with all the enemies that were coming against him in Judah and Israel. He still had to lead the nation and make decisions that were difficult and hard. He still had to walk through the grief of the loss of his sons and his, and his, his close friends. He still had to take those journeys, didn't he? Even though he went to the place of prayer and he laid it all bare before the Lord, he laid all of his anxieties and fears, he still had to get up from that place of prayer and go face the situation that he was in. There was still a yoke on him. So what is God, what is Jesus saying here in this moment? He's saying, take my yoke, which I love how he says this. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is he saying here? That word yoke in the Hebrew is the word zygos, which literally means a coupling together or a joining of two. You see, the thing about the yoke in, those, in the Bible times was it was not a singular yoke. 
there was two animals that were yoked together to plant the field. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, take my yoke upon you. He's saying, listen, you're not plowing this field alone. You may have to still plow the field. You may still have to walk through the grief. You may still have to walk through the decisions, through the struggle, through the, through the, uh, the uh, situation. But listen, you're not walking through it by yourself. You're not walking through it in your own strength. You're not plowing that ground by your, by your own brute force. But listen, I am yoked with you. When you lay your burdens before me, when you come to me, all who are weary, listen, you pla I place my yoke upon you and we are yoked together and we walk through this season together. I also love this. He says, take my yoke upon you. He doesn't say, listen, I'm gonna jump into your yoke. He says, no, no, take my yoke, which is, which is what Jesus is doing here is he's taking ownership of your problem. He's saying, listen, I understand you're dealing with grief, but listen, it's not just your grief anymore. It's my grief too. It's not just, it's not just your issues at work. They're my issues now too. It's not, just, it's not just your pain, your anxiety that you're dealing with. No, listen, it's my yoke. I am taking ownership of your issue and we're gonna walk through this thing side by side. And it's easy and it's light because you have the alpha and the omega pulling with you. That's why the yoke is easy and the burden is light because you're not doing it in your own strength. You're now doing it in his. Now you're doing it in his perfect example of this is found in Genesis early on. I can't remember exactly which chapter, but it's the story of Noah and the ark. Noah has built this ark. He knows the flood's coming. He knows the earth is about to be destroyed. The greatest disaster in human history is about to come. Can you imagine that kind of anxiety and stress that was on Noah? The greatest disaster in human history, but we paint them on all of our nurseries, right? <laughs> it's like the scariest story in the Bible. And we paint it on, on the, in, the, in the wall of the children's, I love that, it's hilarious. The whole world dies, except for eight people. <laughs> Noah is facing some extreme anxiety and fear, Right? And I love what it says after he builds the ark and it's about to start raining. God tells Noah, he says, come onto the ark. Notice he doesn't tell Noah, go onto the ark. He says, Noah, come onto the ark. It's an invitation, which means something, right? It means that he's already on the ark. That Noah didn't go through the, the greatest disaster in human history by himself. But Jesus invited him into the place of refuge. The ark was a place of refuge from the storm, right? So God, who's already in that place of refuge, invites Noah to come in. And they together go through the, through the greatest disaster in human history, this storm, the, this great storm. They go through it together in this place of refuge. And it's a picture for us that there may be a storm raging all around you, but there is a place of refuge that you can run to that doesn't take you out of the storm, 
but it walks you through the storm. It takes you through the storm in a place of refuge and safety. And let me tell you, you're not there alone, but the Father is with you. Jesus is with you. It says in Psalms chapter, uh, I believe, yeah, Psalms chapter 29, verse 10. It says, the Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. What does this verse tell us? That Noah walked through this great, the greatest disaster in human history with peace and with strength because he found the place of refuge in the Lord. Whatever you're going through this morning, whatever you may go through in the future, in the days ahead, there is a place of refuge. There is a place where you can find strength, where you can find peace, where you can find rest. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be plucked out of the situation and you're not going to have to deal with it. That you're not going to have to deal with loss or grief. You're not going to have to deal with anxieties or situations that are difficult. It doesn't mean that at all. What it does mean, though, is that you are yoked with the King of Kings. You are yoked with the Alpha and Omega. And as you lay it all before him, he gives you measureless grace and he plows the field with you. And you can go through the greatest storms in a place of safety and refuge in his presence. In his presence. Let's go ahead and stand together today. Hallelujah. The word says that Jesus said that in this life you will have tribulation. There will be struggles. There will be hard things. But he doesn't stop there. He says in this life you'll have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Father, I thank you that we have an oasis, a place to run to in times of great fear and anxiety. God, in whatever situation we find ourselves in, and Lord, you know each and every heart, you know each and every person in this room and whatever it is that they're dealing with. Father, I'm thankful that whatever the situation is, we have a place of refuge. We have a place to, to go to to find rest and peace and strength. Father, and we have a, a God who doesn't, who doesn't just offer comforting words, but who, who takes upon himself our anxieties and our fears, and he claims them as his own, and then he walks through those things with us. He takes the journey through the storm with us. He plows the hard ground with us. Jesus, I just pray that measureless grace would be bestowed upon every person in this room and they would find their oasis in your presence. God, we thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you that you are good beyond what we could even imagine, Lord. We honor you today in Jesus' holy name. 
thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.